right, what's going on, Faith Church? Hey, man, it's good to see everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Just want to say, man, it's a privilege to have all of you in the house. Can we give it up for our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg? Hey, it's good to see you guys. Well, hey, everybody knows that luggage is a big part of a journey. Anytime you go somewhere, you have to take some stuff with you. And so we go into our attics and garages and we get the luggage and load it up. I don't know about you guys, but we are heavy travelers. And I don't mean the amount of time we travel. I mean the amount of stuff we take with us when we travel. So, right, there are kind of a couple ways you can travel. Some of us, we are the check bag people. How many people check bags, right? I mean, you have so much stuff, you got to load it up and set it down. How many people have figured out, though, sometimes traveling is easiest when you just do the carry-on, right? Just easy. You don't want to wait around the luggage carousel at the end of the trip. You just want to pick it up and go. But at the end of the day, here's what you need to know as we jump into the message this morning, that sometimes when it comes to traveling, that baggage issues are sometimes the biggest issues, right? Baggage issues are sometimes the biggest issues, right? Depending on what's in your luggage, depending on the weight of your luggage, sometimes your luggage can cause your journey to lag. It can cause you to be slowed down. Sometimes it can cause you to miss your connecting flight. Sometimes it will not just make it difficult, sometimes it'll make your trip impossible depending on what's in your luggage. In fact, several, uh, several years ago, my wife and I, we, had, uh, we made a trip, and so we went and we bought some new luggage. In fact, we found some of the largest suitcases we could find, and uh, we loaded it up. We need lots of room, and so <laughs> we took these two huge suitcases, we loaded them up, and most, most airlines have a 50-pound weight limit. And so we got a weight, uh, we got a scale, and we made sure that we maxed them out. We loaded up, we went away for a week, had a great trip, and we came back during the time we are there, like most of you, we tended to buy a few things, right? So we just didn't take what we had and bring it back. We brought more stuff than we took. Y'all know how it is. We had some extra outfits. We had some extra purchases that we made along the way. So we roll up into the airport to come home. We have our baggage with us. It's creating some issues. And we set it up on the scale, and we set up, sure enough, not just my bag, but her bag. They're both overweight. I'm like, oh, man. And not only are they overweight, but we're flying home with a different airline that we flew there with. And while the size bag we had with us was okay for the outgoing flight, they wouldn't take it. It was considered extra large baggage, and we were overweight. They wanted to charge us $150 each for our bags to get them home. Like right away, we're thinking, is there something in here we can do without? Like, is there something we can, because $300, like surely we can throw something away and make the trip. So I looked at her, I'm like, so what are you going to throw away? <laughs> we couldn't come to a consensus, so I had a great idea. I decided to uh, leave our luggage where it was, and I went running through the airport. Anybody here know what it's like to get brand new shoes, and you can run faster when you have new shoes? It felt like I was running about 100 miles an hour through the airport. In reality, I was running about three. And I'm running through the airport because I want to find some store inside of the airport that sells luggage so I can pay just for a carry-on or pay for an extra bag rather than paying the $300 in oversized and overweight baggage. I'm just telling you, if you have to buy luggage from an airport, you're in trouble. You're going to pay for it. They got you, baby. But I found absolutely this luggage place, went in, and every, <laughs> every piece of luggage in there was like, is it made of gold? Well, I'm confused. Why is this so expensive? And so we ended up, I ended up finding this bag on the back rack. It was on the, um, it was on the sale rack. A bag, I mean, the reason it was still in the store is because nobody would buy it. 
Nobody would carry it, but I got it cheap, so I grabbed it, and I went stroking back all the way back up front and took some stuff out of our oversized bags, loaded it up, and just paid extra. So, man, it was a lot of chaos, but we eventually got all of our stuff on the plane. But again, baggage issues are sometimes some of the biggest issues when it comes to travel. And here's why that's important for all of us in this room. We started a series last week entitled 767, Wheels Up. That in 2019, I believe that God has a journey for all of us in this room. Last week, we talked about arrivals and departures, that God has a destination for you. God has relationship destinations. God has ministry destinations. God has career destinations for a lot of us in this room. But the only way we're going to get there is to make sure we're willing to leave behind sometimes what's been comfortable. In fact, we introduced this guy by the name of Abraham last week. If you don't know Abraham, Abraham is a key character in the Old Testament. Abraham is this guy who is a central historical figure. He's revered by three major world religions, by Islam, by Judaism, and by Christianity. All three of those faiths go back to and lead to this guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham comes almost out of nowhere. God introduces himself to Abraham. He's 75 years old. And God calls Abraham to leave everything he's comfortable with. And in return, God says in eight different ways, I will bless you. I'm just telling you, God will always bless obedience. And so God makes these incredible promises to Abraham and says these eight I wills. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will make your name great. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I mean, all these incredible promises. And ultimately what God is saying is, even though at this point in his life, when Abraham is 75 years old and his wife is 65, they have been barren and without children at this point in life. And God comes and says, hey, I'm going to give you children. And not just, I'm not just going to give you children. I'm going to give you so many offspring, children's 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 children, that I'm going to make a nation out of you. And eventually we know that this man, his family, genealogy, his line becomes the nation of Israel. And ultimately, it's through the nation of Israel that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is born. So this guy is incredibly important, but there are so many takeaways that we learn from his life. And last week, we said this as we launched this series, 767, that sometimes comfort is the disguise of compromise, that sometimes our life can be comfortable and feel like everything's okay. The bills are paid, marriage is okay, kids are relatively calm, school's working out, seems like friends are clicking. And sometimes we can miss God's best by settling for okay. And if we want what God has for us in 2019, we have to, we said it last week, come on, wheels up. We have to be willing to take the journey that God has for us. And today, again, as we roll into week two, the challenge for a lot of us is our baggage. That there are things in our luggage that we just can't take with us. There is stuff that's going to make the trip difficult. It's going to make it impractical, if not impossible. That if we're going to make the trip that God has for us, if we're going to get where we're going in 2019, we've got to pack light. Everybody shout those two words, pack light. In fact, as we look at the life of Abraham, we're going to step into his story again. One of the challenges that we see in his life is that God really confronts this man, Abraham. He's, imagine this. He's taken some pretty extreme steps. He's left his family. He's left his community. He's left what's familiar. And he's on his way, and so far into the journey, God challenges him that there's some stuff in his carry-on that he can't take with him if he's going to continue in his journey. 
And so the challenge for us as we move through today is maybe to ask the question, what is it that God wants you to remove from your luggage? What is it that God wants you to get out of storage? What is it that God wants you to remove from your baggage if you're going to get to your destination? So check this out. Genesis chapter 16, this is about 10 years forward in the story from when God first called Abraham away from what's familiar and made him all of these incredible promises. 10 years have passed and nothing. They don't have a kid like they're doing their part. They're doing everything. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they're doing everything they know to do. And there's, there's no progress. Anybody here ever get frustrated because there's no progress? Anybody here ever get frustrated because you feel like you're doing what you need to do and you're not moving forward? And so Abraham and Sarah are doing their deal in one year, two years, five years, 10 years pass and still nothing. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, comes up with what she thinks in the moment is a great idea. There is a dilemma. She has no children. And so she comes up with the decision to respond to the dilemma. And here's what she decides to do to help move things along and give Abraham the kid that he wants. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear, bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children, so go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. I mean, I, I bet he did. <laughs> I mean, are you sure? I mean, I... I mean, if you want me to, right? I mean, it's like a TLC drama right here. This is a love triangle in biblical proportions. So you got to track what's happening here. Sarah can't get pregnant. In fact, she says, and this is important, she says, the Lord's preventing me from having kids. Wait a minute. God made a promise they were going to have kids. Sarah's saying, I can't have kids. Maybe the problem's me. Ten years have passed. Why don't you go sleep with our servant, Hagar? Maybe she can give you the kid. And so, again, Abraham's like, I'm, I'm in. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. Now, here's what I want you to track for a minute as we talk about the baggage of Abraham. Is you have to imagine the pressure that, that she felt. I mean, think about this. All of us in this room know what it is to feel the pressure in the world that we live in. Imagine the pressure that they were under. First of all, there was a cultural pressure. The idea was that if you didn't have kids, you were cursed by God. If you didn't have a son to pass on your name, something was wrong with you. You were looked down on. You were a second-class citizen in society. And so here, Abraham and Sarah are feeling the pressure of culture, not just the pressure of culture. They're feeling the pressure of age. Sometimes as we feel like our clock is ticking by, we feel like we're missing opportunities and losing life. And Sarah's wrestling with maybe, maybe I'm going to get to the place that it's too late. I have to do something. Again, this dilemma of not having kids drives her to a decision. And not just that, I think probably some of the biggest pressure they felt was the pressure of the promise. The pressure of the promise was, imagine if God showed up and made you some incredible promises. I don't know about you, but when I feel like God has something for me, I start talking about what God has promised me because I'm excited what he wants to do in and through me. Is anybody with me? And when you start telling people, hey, this is what I believe God's going to do in my ministry. This is what I believe God's about to do through me. This is what God's about to do, th do through Faith Church. All of a sudden, everybody starts looking, and when it doesn't happen, when you think it ought to happen, it brings pressure. And so 10 years have passed, and they've told all their family and friends they're going to have a kid in 10 years, and nothing. 
And so under all of this pressure, imagine the pressure. You gotta, you gotta give her some, gotta give her, you know, some props for creativity at least. But it's the pressure. The pressure to perform, especially when it's tied to our popularity. We live in a culture and a society that, that our acceptance is connected with our achievement. That if you fit in, if you measure up. And when we don't meet the pressure, like again, sometimes we drive ourselves to make bad decisions. And this is exactly what Sarah does. Sarah feels all of this weight and all of this pressure. All eyes are on her. And so she comes up with this scheme. Hey, go sleep with Hagar. Go sleep with our servant. Maybe she can give you a kid. And a lot of us in this room, come on, a lot of us in this room, we feel the pressure. Sometimes it's the pressure of this world we live in that you have to drive a certain something. You have to look a certain something. You have to weigh a certain something. You have to live in this part of the town. You have to hang out with these kind of people. You have to work at this type of a job. And if you don't measure up, if your achievement's not right, your acceptance isn't given. And so because of that, man, we are driven to make bad decisions. Some of us in this room, man, the weight just to be accepted based on what you wear, what you drive, and where you live. That dilemma of not measuring up, of feeling like we're not as important or we're not even as equal, drives us to debt. In a culture and society where so many people are <laughs> dropping plastic for every purchase. Man, next thing we know, we're in debt. Why? Because the dilemma and the pressure has driven us to a bad decision. Sometimes it's not just financial. Sometimes it's relationships. Some of you in this room who, like, who've decided you want to be married. There are some people who maybe are called to celibacy and being single, and, but that's not for everybody. Some of you in this room, man, you know you want to be married, and so you're waiting for somebody because nobody showed up yet. That dilemma and that pressure, like every time you show up at a family gathering, oh, you still single? You ain't found nobody yet? Like that creates this pressure. And so sometimes we compromise and lower our standards and we start dating people that we know are wrong with us. We make a bad decision because of the dilemma of being single. As I was getting ready for this message, some of you in this room, this may be only for one person, but I felt like, you know, God speak to me about eating disorders. And sometimes we feel like we don't measure up in society unless we're the right size, unless the scale's reading the right numbers. And maybe some young ladies or maybe some young men in this house, maybe maybe watching online, you feel like your only answer is like to do some stuff that's unhealthy. The dilemma of feeling like you don't measure up has driven you to make some bad decisions. And here's the worst part is, is dilemmas drive bad decisions and then bad decisions just create bigger dilemmas. That once you're in debt, then what? Once you're dating the wrong person, then what? Once you're in the wrong career path, then what? Come on, everybody. You got to pack light if you're going to be where God wants you to be in 2019. Everybody shout pack light. You got to pack light. And so sometimes we got to pull back and say, man, what is it in my life that God has, God wants me to unpack? Now, maybe we're so far along. Maybe something in this room, you're already in the relationship. You're already in the career. You're already in the job. And you're looking at it and you know it's wrong. You know you're dating the wrong person but you already got five years in the, in the relationship. Maybe you're already on a career path and you're already 10 years into that career path. And you're like, I know it's not the right one, but listen, here's the good news is God can bless any person at any time at any stage in their life. Is anybody here thankful for the grace of God that can meet us where we are? 
So while God, I'm just telling you, God can meet anybody. God, God is really good at plan B. That's okay. And if you are in the midst and maybe you've missed some opportunities, maybe you've allowed some stuff in your life that has kept you from the destination God has for you, the good news is God can still meet you. God can still get you to your destination in 2019. But here's, here's a bigger challenge. Man, I just would say this for all of us in this room. And instead of God asking God to maybe meet us and help us with plan B, how about we ask that God give us the patience to wait for plan A? God, we're not going to run ahead of you. God, we're not going to do it in our strength. God, we are willing to wait and be patient. God doesn't need your help to do what he's going to do. He just needs your patience and obedience to wait on him to do it in his time. Come on. And so Sarah, she gets ahead of God. She gets impatient. She just so desperately wants a kid. She so desperately wants her husband to have a good name in the community. They so desperately want the promise of God in her life that she gets out and does it in her own strength and in her own way and creates this incredible, difficult, love triangle dilemma in the house. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We often confuse God's ability with God's appointment. Sometimes we feel like because God hasn't yet that God can or God won't. And the issue is God just hasn't yet. Everybody shout yet. Just because God hasn't doesn't mean God won't. It just means that God hasn't yet. Because God not only has a strategy for your life, God has a schedule for your life. Which means God just doesn't know what he's going to do. God knows when he's going to do it. And so our, our ability means we just have to be patient and wait. I know lots and lots and lots of people, and maybe this is you. I know lots of people. And their stories. And people who've run ahead of God and like didn't want to wait. Took the first job opportunity. Dated the first person who had looked their way. Took the first school that would accept them. Hung out with the first group that would say, we want to hang out with you. While I know lots of people Lots of people, lots of stories of people that regret not waiting for God's timing. I don't know anybody that's regretted waiting for the timing of God. Waiting is always worth it. Everybody say that. Waiting is always worth it. Rushing is risky, and getting in a hurry can be harmful, but waiting is always worth it. And man, here's Sarah. She refused to wait. She ends up, (laughs) can you imagine the tension in this house? I mean, everybody's mad at everybody. I mean, Abraham's like, baby, I just did what you told me to do. So here's, here's Hagar. She's upset because she's being used as a baby factory, basically. Here's Sarah. She's upset at Hagar because even though she knew she could give her husband a baby, now she's mad for her doing it. Abraham's stuck in the middle. There's all of this tension. Why? Because they allowed the pressure to want what God wanted for them to drive them ahead and do it in their own strength. It's always worth it to wait on God. And so they go through this, and ultimately, man, uh, she, uh, Hagar gets pregnant and births a baby by the name that they name Ishmael. Now, check this out. Genesis chapter 21. This, you're going to fast forward. This is now about uh, 17 years in the future. There's lots of stuff. You should read this whole story. But eventually, again, they have a baby, Ishmael. Ishmael comes up as Abraham's son. He thinks this is the son of promise. He thinks this is the son that God is going to bring a nation through. He's like, finally, I've got my baby boy. Even though there's tension, even though there's struggle, some of you need to understand that the tension you're sensing is because you've jumped ahead of God. 
And so you fast forward, all of a sudden, man, God does what he always wanted to do, and he blesses Sarah. See, the issue wasn't that God wasn't going to give her a baby. It's just God wasn't going to give her the baby when she thought. And so God does exactly what he always planned, and Sarah gets pregnant. At this point, Ishmael is 13 years old. Fast forward, we're about to read three years. In this culture, they celebrated when a child was weaned off their mother's breast. And so at this point, Ishmael is 17. Isaac, the son of promise, is three. And check this out. Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 and verse 9. said, when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of the slave woman and her son. He's not going to share in the inheritance of my son Isaac. I won't have it. And this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset. This is so big. Watch this. God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. That's great, that's great advice, husbands. Y'all need to underline that, highlight it, circle it. Mem like that's a great scripture. Memorizing scripture doesn't work. Do whatever she tells you to do. Come on, happy wife, happy life. Y'all felt the Holy Ghost, didn't you, when you said that? You're like, <laughs> do, do whatever, do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. It's not Ishmael. It's not what you did in your strength. It's what God's saying I did in my strength. It's not what you did in your schedule. It's what I'm about to do in my schedule. It's always worth it to wait on God. When you get ahead of God, you get stuff. You get stuff in your luggage that doesn't belong. You start carrying weight on your carry-on that's going to hold you back. You start putting stuff in your, in your suitcase and in your luggage that's going to make your journey difficult, if not impossible. And I'm telling you, they had a son that was going to make the journey impossible. And God tells Abraham, listen, I want you to clean out your luggage. You need to pack light if you're going to get where I'm taking you. Come on, everybody shout, pack light. What's in your luggage that you need to get out if you're going to get to where you're going in 2019? Who's the friend? What's the attitude? What's the addiction? What's the habit? What's the lifestyle? Who are the friends that you can't take with you if you're going to get where you want to go in 2019? God tells ultimately Abraham through Sarah, you got to do something with Ishmael and Hagar. God told Abraham again, do not be upset by the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom the descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of descendants for Hagar's son, because he's your son too. How many people have ever experienced the TSA throwaway? TSA throwaway is when you go through the TSA line and they find something in your suitcase you can't take with you and they make you throw it away. Come on, TSA throwaway, baby. If you've not experienced it personally, you probably have experienced it through the line, someone else ahead of you. Here's what's funny is there's always that, like, that moment when they inspect your luggage, when they run it through the x-ray, when, <laughs> when they look in it and they decide, hey, you can't take this thing with you. Like people always have that moment like, huh. Several years ago, my wife and I, we, um, we were traveling and we had gone out of Muscle Shoals Airport God bless TSA agents. If you're a TSA agent, no, no slam on you. We love, I love being patted down by you. It's awesome. We, can, we should at least grab coffee before it happens. This is true. Every time I go through the extra, I have a spot right here that lights up. And it's just, it's, it's right here. 
I don't know what's there. I don't have a metal hip. I don't know what it is, but they make sure they check it out. I'm like, my name's Steve. Can I at least have your name? <laughs> Text me your number. So anyway, so Sean and I were going through Muscle Shoals. It's a small airport. If you've never flown out of Muscle Shoals, nobody else has either. I think we're the only ones. So we're going through, so literally there's nothing to do. So the TSA agent, they don't have like hundreds and thousands of passengers that they got to hurry and get through. They got free time, which means they're going to go through your stuff really well. And so my wife had her hair care products in her carry-on luggage. Uh, like she had some shampoo and she had some, uh, she had some hairspray, which is like gold and silver. Y'all on track with me, obviously. Y'all like, no, you don't understand. She had her hair care products and they told her, you can't take this with you. I thought she was going to punch the TSA agent in the throat. So like, you can't take this with you. And so she's trying to decide, like, <laughs> it was funny because the whole week she had to use, like, the little, little, like, the little stuff that jacks your hair up. Women, like, you know, men are like, what? Women are like, oh, no. <laughs> and so, but we couldn't take it with us. So we're out. It was, it was expensive. Like, she doesn't use cheap stuff. It was expensive. So we didn't want to throw it away. So we're like, would you like some hair care products? Like, <laughs> people thought we were, like, trying to get some donations or something. So we give it away. But here's the thing is, as important as hair care products are to my wife, she was willing to give up that to have the destination. See, listen, nobody's willing to compromise the journey for the junk. You got to be willing to let go of something, even if you think it's important, because if you don't let go of what's important, you'll miss your promise. Listen, sometimes we got to give up what is precious so we can have the promise. Even though Ishmael was his son. Listen, listen think about this. This is Abraham's boy. He has spent 17 years. He's invested 17 years of his life. But it didn't matter how precious Ishmael was. It doesn't matter how important Ishmael was. At the end of the day, Ishmael was keeping Abraham from the promise that God had from him. All of us in this life, listen, sometimes, maybe some of you got five years dating somebody. And you're like, man, I don't want to give up on this relationship now. But what you need to recognize is that you got five years wasted because if you spend another year, it's just another year invested in the wrong relationship. It's better to break up now than to marry wrong. It's better to walk away from the job now and the career now than to regret it 20 years down the road that you missed your calling, that you didn't open your business. You got to be willing to pack light in 2019. You got to be willing to get stuff out of your luggage. It's going to cause you to miss the promise that God has for you. Pack Light. Come on, everybody shout those words. Pack light. And so, man, they're wrestling with, she's wrestling with this decision. She can't have a baby. She ultimately gives one to Abraham, her husband, through Hagar. 17 years. And God looks at, or Sarah looks at Abraham and says, you got to get rid of him. You got to get rid of him. You got to make room for what I have for you. There's a word in scripture. It's, called, it's, it's this big word. It's Repent. Everybody shout that word, repent. Amen. If you've been in church for a while, it's, I mean, it can be kind of a heavy word, but I just want to talk about it because it's important for your journey in 2019. The word repent really has three meanings in Scripture. The idea of repentance starts with a feeling. It's to feel bad. You've done something wrong. You've violated somebody. You've hurt somebody. And you think about it and you feel bad. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have lied. I shouldn't have lusted. I shouldn't have stole. I shouldn't have been mean. I shouldn't have. And so the first level of repentance is just feeling bad. And if you're a Christ follower, it goes a little bit deeper because it's knowing that maybe you broke God's heart. Maybe 
Maybe the way you're living, you know, man, it's, it's breaking the Father's heart, and so we feel bad about it. And the goal is this, is that God wants us to feel bad. God wants us to look at our life and say, that's not right. That's not okay. That's not who God's called me to be. And that in order to, in order to avoid the feeling, we avoid the lifestyle that makes us feel that way. And so repentance starts with a feeling. Imagine how Sarah felt every time she looked at that boy. The second level of repentance is this idea that it means to change directions. That you make a decision, I'm not just going to feel bad, but I'm going to quit going down the road that I'm going. I need to turn around. I need to repent. I need to go a different direction. It's kind of like when Siri's talking to us, if we've got Google Maps on or whatever, we're trying to get to our destination and we miss a turn. Right, and Siri starts chiming in, right? Make a U-turn, make a U-turn. Nobody ignores it. Why? Because we want to get to our destination. So we make the U-turn, we turn around because our destination is bigger than our wrong turn. And some of you in this room, man, you've, you've gotten ahead of God. You're in the wrong relationship. You're hanging out with the wrong friends. You're in the wrong school, wrong career path. Your parents put pressure on you to go to school. And I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with school. But if you're in school because your parents told you to get in school, you need to find out what God told you to do. If you're in a relationship because your girlfriends think he's the right guy, you need to figure out what God wants you to do. If you're getting ready to start a business because everybody else is in that business, you need to figure out what God wants you to do. God's promise is the best promise, but never settle for anything less than God's best. You got to repent. You got to turn around. But probably the best and the most significant meaning of the word repent is the definition in the New Testament. And repent in the New Testament means to change your mind, to change how you think. And here's why this is so important because I can't speak for anybody in here, but I can speak for me. And sometimes my life for seasons are like perpetual U turns. Like I'll be going a direction, I know I shouldn't be doing it, and I'll make a U-turn. And then all of a sudden I make you, and I find myself right back in the same path. And then I feel bad, Lord, I'm sorry, and I turn around. And I get back in the same behavior and the same attitude. Anybody here with me like your life is just U-turns? Like you'll go the right direction for a while, and then you'll turn around, go back the wrong You'll repent and go back. You, like, you just keep changing directions. So in order for your life to really ever change, you've got to change the way you think. Like, God, I believe I don't, I don't want just to experience your best. I really believe that you have the best for me. And so God, because I'm changing the way I think, it is going to ultimately change how I live. The Bible says a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Which means your life is determined by based on what you think. So if I believe God's way is better than my way, God's timing is better than my timing, he doesn't just have a strategy, he has a schedule. So I'm willing to wait on his time and not run ahead of him. I'll wait for the right mate, the right business, the right career, the right school. I'm going to wait on God because God's way is always better. And if I put something in my life that doesn't belong, I'm willing to pack light in 2019. I'm willing to unload what's wrong because I want what God has for me. Come on, somebody. To repent means to change your mind. Change the way you think about it. Stop justifying it. Stop making excuses about it. Stop saying it's okay. It's not because it's keeping you from something. This past, uh, this past week, I've told some of you in this room that uh, my son, he's a sneakerhead. He loves shoes. I hate it because his shoe game is way bigger than mine. But the good thing is we're about in the same size shoes. My shoe game is about to go up. So he loves shoes, man. So he buy, he's got all kinds of Yeezys. If you don't know what Yeezys are, they're overpriced shoes. 
He's got several pair of Yeezys. He's got all kinds of J's. He's got all, I mean, he's got incredible shoe game. Got, the cool thing is he takes care of them. Like he walks totally uncool when he wears them. Don't want to crease them. Cleans them, puts them on. He's got shoe racks in his closet. Shoe game out the wazoo. So some of you maybe who know this, but there's knockoffs of everything, right? And so he's always cautious that when he buys these shoes, he doesn't get a knockoff pair. And what's weird is I look at a knockoff and I look at the real, I'll be like, they look the same to me. He'll say, well, dad, that's wrong because of stitching and because of this, like he just getting to eye it. So he bought these shoes a couple years ago, paid, I think $200 for them. The thing is he just doesn't keep them. He, he'll sell a lot of them. Sometimes he'll make money. So these were, um, these were kind of, their, they're the hot item again. So he posted them on this online site to sell them and sold them for $380. That's a hundred percent return. Come on, baby start giving my money, get invested in the shoe game. That's my retirement, the shoe game. So he, uh, well, he finds out here, this place that he sold the shoes, they just don't pass it on like eBay. This company, all they do is shoes. So he mailed the shoes to them. They verify that they're legit shoes and then mail them on to the buyer. And then the buyer pays the price. Well, he got an email saying that these shoes were replicas, which chaos. Because he knew, man, no, these are real. Like the guy he bought them from is this, you know, whatever in his, his like, like, this is a star seller. Like he doesn't sell replicas. Now, here's the thing. I'm like, Zach, so what are you going to do with them? You just, you know, you gonna, I mean, you might as well give her the replicas. Like they're just taking up space on yourself. If you pack, listen to me, when you pack, you only got so much room in life. In your journey, this is it. This is what you can carry with you. And if you're going to make room for the real, you got to get rid of the replica. There's only so much room. And some of you got replica friendships. You don't have the real. You got people that are holding you back. Some of you have replica boyfriends and girlfriends. They're not who God has for you. Some of you got replica careers. I mean, it's, it's paying the bills. You got a paycheck, but it's not what God called you to. It's not what God designed you for. It's not your purpose. It's not your plan. But as long as you're dating the same people, hanging out with the same friends, thinking the same way, carrying the same stuff in your heart, as long as you're dating the same people, going to the same places, you will miss your destination. You got a pack light in 2019. The good news is, man, the Holy Spirit will be your TSA agent if you let him. He will go through your bag and say, this can't go, this can't go. And then you're going to stand there and you got to make a decision. Do I want to live in the airport or do I want to go to my destination? Because for all the people that got to choose to throw stuff away, you know what they're saying? It's worth it. The journey is more important than the junk. I can get more stuff. I want to go where God's going. Anybody here want what God has for them in 2019? You got a packed light. So in this room, I want us just to pray. Because some of you walked in this room, you didn't even need this message. Man, God's already been in your heart. God's already been up in your grill about the stuff you need to let go of. But maybe some of you sitting here, God's speaking to you. And there's some things that you just need to get out of your life if you're going to have what God has for you. If you're going to get to your destination, you got to lose some stuff out of your luggage. Some of the biggest issues are baggage issues. Father, we come in the name of Jesus and pray that the Holy Spirit would just continue to speak to us. Father, we want your best. God, a lot of us in this room, including myself, a lot of us watching online, God, we've gotten ahead of you. And Lord, we've allowed the replica in. We've allowed the knockoff in. But I pray today in Jesus' name, that God, you'll point that out. And God, you'll help us no matter how important it feels, no matter how much the pressure is, 
to hold on. God, I pray in Jesus' name, you will help us to let go so we can experience your best in 2019. Listen, I wanna say one other thing. I didn't say a first service and I don't wanna miss it now either because I, I just feel, man, this Holy Spirit speaking this to my heart. Imagine again the pressure of Abraham, just for a minute, real quick. I got a minute and six seconds left. I'm gonna use it all. Here's Abraham and he's thinking, not only, not only is he attached to his son, but he's thinking it's my obligation, it's my responsibility to take care of this boy. How can I just let him go? Here's what's funny. Remember the promise God says, listen, don't worry about him. I'm gonna bless him, I'm gonna take care of him. Some of you are staying connected to people business partners, relationships, and friends, because you feel like if I abandon the man, what's going to happen? Like you feel like you're God to him. You're not. Not only are you making yourself miss the promise of God, but staying in things that aren't the things God called you to, you're going to cause that person to miss the promise of God because you're supplementing them. God said, listen, if you'll walk away, I'll bless you and I'll bless Ishmael. Be willing to walk away from things and don't feel like it's your responsibility to take care of them because it's not. It's God's. Let God be God, not just to you, but let God be God to the thing you're walking away from. In Jesus' name. Everybody agree, said amen. 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 God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for week three.